0: Hey there, welcome to the podcast. It is Sophie Rentschler and I'm here with a guest speaker today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, my name is Linda Cracksberger. I'm the Associate Dean for Undergraduate Studies at the Missouri School of Journalism.
0: Awesome. And today we're going to be chatting a little bit about this Global Scholars Project topic, Misogyny in the Journalism Industry. But before we dive into that, I want to know a little bit about your school background. So where did you go to college? What's your professional life look like, that sort of deal.
1: I am a um, product of the 1970s and 80s, if you will, in terms of my era in um, growing up and entering college. I went to the University of Virginia as an undergrad. And I majored in foreign affairs and interestingly enough, US-Soviet relations. Oh, wow. Clearly at the forefront of
0: news right
1: right now and um and then later on i went to graduate school as a um, i wanted to be a better writer and i came to the missouri school of journalism and got my master's degree here and from the first day i was asked if i was more interested in print or broadcast and broadcast really sparked my interest and so i went into television news i did that for about five years before i came back to the university of missouri to be a faculty member here at the University of Missouri. I've had many jobs and I've been here now for almost 30 years. And um, as a student of journalism, I am very interested in how do we set the stage so that journalists can do their very best work and they can do that ethically. Um, And I'm very interested in equity in our field and how do we, um, how do we help women succeed? Because we have more women coming into the journalism field than men. And so yeah. I think your your podcast topic is very right on point.
0: Oh, that's great. I'm very glad to hear that, especially coming from a professional. That's amazing. And as you guys know, audience, um, we've had a few Mizzou represent- representatives. Yeah, we want to call it that. Had a few Mizzou representatives in these episodes. And you know, it does speak for itself. We have a little bit of tiger action. So there's that Mizzou pride going on. What did you do in high school that prepared you for that college experience?
1: There are two things that I did that I did all through high school. Mm -hmm. And one of them was yearbook, which you can see there's kind of a direct link between what people do on yearbook staff, where we're um, taking photos and we're telling people stories and we're putting together a, a, a kind of Package of something that, that will be um, of interest and contain some historic records so there's yeah. a lot of similarities between that and journalism mm-hmm. but the other thing I did all through high school was that I played music and I was involved in theater the amount of kinds of activities that you do when you practice and prepare music and then you have a concert and you do that as a team is very similar. Um, I imagine some people who do sports will talk about some similarities between working as a team and what it takes to get a news story from idea to um, production to um, to an audience. And right. It, it is never one person alone, but one person's efforts can certainly make a big difference. And I I never really loved solo work. I played piano. I played flute. I never really loved the solo work mm-hmm. so much as i love the work of an ensemble and more and more today i think um, we count on individuals being at their very best to do journalism mm-hmm. there are a lot of players and a lot of um, people involved in the production of every even an individual story takes a lot of editing and and when you have a team that comes together sometimes you have somebody who's working specifically on video or audio or photo work and you have somebody else who maybe is saying oh you know it would be really good if we went back and asked these particular questions or those types of things so i think anytime you can participate as a team towards some end uh, that that's very helps helps you succeed in college
0: no absolutely i think especially that group work aspect i've heard constant reminders that People that have, you know, had paths of success in journalism often are found in high school participating in some activity where they have to either perform in, in front of this crowd or be involved with their community and engage with other people and talk and be active in that sense. So definitely 100%. And we only see one part of that story, especially in broadcast. You don't see the people behind that camera literally activating it all so I think that's a huge part of it and you hit the nail right on the head absolutely moving on uh this one's kind of fun I really like this question but what do you like most about your job
1: as an associate dean I'm a little bit like the vice principal of your high school so I will see students who are struggling sometimes Mm -hmm. students who um have had some kind of academic troubles um, I also see students who are succeeding or really successful, and sometimes I'm working with students who are really trying to figure out their path in terms of careers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's on the student side of what I do, and what I love most about it is problem solving. So when somebody comes into my office, and whether that's a a faculty member or a student, things come to us because they are problems. Mm I feel most satisfied when I help somebody solve a problem that really contributes to the public good. And I okay. see that both in my role as um, helping to serve and create, I call it creating the framework for student success, creating that framework so that mm-hmm. students can succeed in journalism because I see journalism as solving problems. And helping yeah, the public good.
0: exactly. I
1: also see that at a school level. Sometimes it's about helping a student's removing some barrier oh there's a conflict I, I i want to take both of these classes how do i remove that conflict and so right. i like to see where the conflicts are find where we can create resolution solve those problems and it's not all that different from doing a jigsaw puzzle which i've done many of the past two years.
0: i love that i think that's really awesome that you're connecting journalism to it that's something that every i think um interviewee has had in common where their natural instinct is to help people, and that's something that I think journalists always have in mind: is how can my story better the common good? That sort of situation, which I think it really it speaks for itself, and I think it's really awesome for sure. Um,
1: so while all of that is true, mm-hmm. um, there is another thing. Generally speaking, okay, most people who I've met who are successful at journalism also enjoy the process of journalism. There is something that they particularly enjoy about writing or editing or designing. They like that they can employ these things that they like to do. I like playing with Mm -hmm. words, I like moving things around. I like this process of doing this, but I also love that this process can be applied to this larger problem. So these two kinds of things work together. So it's not just that I'm telling stories for the public good, it's also um that this activity may be fun
0: for me yeah and i yeah but
1: it's
0: fun i i think it's killing two birds with one stone too because if you love the way that you can help people and you also love just kind of like you were saying like the creative framework of it all i think that's something that's really fun for individuals um particularly women that are aspiring to go in this field what is one piece of advice that you would give them which, again, we're, we're consolidating it to one, which is very tricky. But what is, what is a key piece of advice that you would give to someone that's aspiring to go into the field? We could, if you want to, we could stretch to two.
1: The first piece of advice is really always be curious. We lock in on some part of our story or our storytelling or our project that has to be a certain way and we start locking in on the form and ignoring the critical life what, what i sometimes call the big why yeah why was this a story idea to begin with and so that constant reminder of the big why and that big why what is the what is the main focus of this story mm-hmm. and then yeah we can be curious and go down in the, Individual rabbit holes. We can get. We can. We can find out. We don't want to leave details hanging, but all those hanging details don't belong in the story. All right. those. All, everything I find out. It, we can't treat everything that we find out of equal importance, or else we're not. We're going to be doing a disservice to exactly the person who is our audience. Mm-hmm. So I would say. So those are kind of two two ideas. One is to remain curious, but the other is, you know, you have to zoom in and then zoom back out again, and zoom in and then zoom back out. But don't edit yourself before you even explore
0: these fundamental
1: curious facts to begin with. Um,
0: Next question is um, a little bit loaded, but what, have there been any encounters that you've had um, firsthand with injustice in your newsroom personally, or injustice in um your line of work
1: i was practicing journalism in newsrooms in an era that is a very different than today's era I feel mostly fortunate what I experienced personally in newsrooms was not mean, was not bullying, was not in that outrageous zone. Yeah. But definitely conversations and treatment, treatment of women and treatment of um, people who are non-gender conforming, treatment of, Men and women, gays and lesbians, the conversations were not respectful. Okay. That's that, and that disrespect over time, there was some discourse around disrespect mm-hmm. where the disrespect was making excuses. Yeah, so yeah. When you go into a newsroom every day, and you might have to cover something that is a murder or a flood or a fire or something that's devastating so i worked in television news and so we we did a lot of stories that were accidents and and people did see horrific things our definition of news is not typically oh a lot of really good and nice things happened today let's tell you about that 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 wasn't the definition of news back then it was something bad that had happened and that would us to cover it as news yeah and i think we use that bad stuff happening all the time as justification and yeah. covered to be more disrespectful and flip with one another because yeah. to to not be harsh with one's language to not be really casual about uh, oh we're just joking Yeah, and I hear that one a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I think especially, like, what you're saying with, like, what's seen as, like, soft also, like, those reactions, I've noticed that a lot of women that stand up for themselves, what I've heard is when they stand up for themselves, it's, like, what they get back is, no, it's just a soft little, like, it's just a little remark, it's just a joke, and that's, really made this this industry uncomfortable for some women because when they're put in a place where the power dynamic is shifted it's hard to think that these people understand you when they tell you that you're just being sensitive it's just a joke do you know what i'm saying so like i think that especially what's
1: even worse than that though i mean well what's worse who knows (laughs) yeah Um, i think yeah i think the hardest thing for women over time so in the last you know in years women have come up with the term called mansplaining i don't like to pigeonhole anyone mm-hmm. and so i work with some great men mm-hmm. and so i don't want to lay on them yeah some characteristic or trait and say this entire gender yeah, that's is doing true this horrible thing but i will say that particular characteristic having men in a group meeting and having their ideas routinely
0: exactly
1: outstanding
0: oh my god
1: ideas that women would come to the table with like you,
0: you know what or, that's yes
1: not really uh, that's not really hard-hitting or that's not what our audience wants it's like how do you know yeah or who is the audience how, how do you know and so um i think the even even more than the in front of the camera thing, the behind the scenes yeah. and that power dynamic about what kinds of ideas get approved to begin with and what that power structure looks like—that's the thing that very often women would self-censor themselves. They they would they knew which ideas were going to be more uh,
0: like favored. Exact. Yeah, yeah, I. I totally agree with you. And even like one of my presenters shared their personal experience when a man was like in this conference room exactly, you painted the picture perfectly because it's that same environment where there are a ton of men and they're announcing their ideas and it's it's they're calling everyone to a board meeting and you have to say your best idea and give your pitch and say why well, your story means something. And then a woman will say verbatim what this man said And then it's like, no, I don't think that. And then a man will say it and then everyone's like, you know what? That is a fantastic idea. So you painted the picture beautifully and not beautifully, but you laid it out perfect for me to follow that up. It it really is something that I think is another area of conversation that when women in any workplace speak and decide to, you know, go uncensored and share their view and give their story, it's undersold. That's something that frustrates me too because say I were in that situation and I feel like we're we're trying, the point of this podcast is to fuel up these young aspiring journalists for this, this world and it's a tough rigorous world. Like you said, you report on all types of stories. You go to these murder scenes, you go and report on a burning house and we're seeing the concept of news change, but it's rigorous as we go along this path, we have to realize that we, as we enter that newsroom, being a minority, you have to buckle yourself up. It's unfortunate, but these things could potentially happen. And these injustices and these these certain instances will occur. And it's sad to say, but sometimes when you're not lucky to be in a, in a company, especially, or in an institution that I'd say is like, very diversified because we're seeing female leaders rise up to set the stage right but say someone's not as fortunate and they go in there and immediately they experience that same hatred and the underselling so it really is like a good thing that i like we're creating this to begin with because like the young women need to know that you know we don't we don't want this to happen but they need to be prepared if you know, they want to stand up for themselves and, you know, try and equalize that workspace for themselves too, for sure. You can kind of expand on this in the um educational forefront too. How do you um advocate for um combating injustice in your community and in your day-to-day life?
1: I, I really believe in that let it begin with me, philosophy, and let it begin with me means I am um, A self-reflective human being. I have access to YouTube, to libraries, to the internet. I don't have to put my ignorance on somebody else.
0: Right. Force
1: another human being to tell me what their experience is. I can I can invite that, I can ask people, but I don't have to re-traumatize another human being before I go to the library and check out a history book.
0: Oh my and gosh. So it's exactly. on me
1: to read history. It's on me to read literature and challenge myself. It's on me to watch documentaries and inform myself about things that I don't know about. And I am challenged to do that, if not daily, certainly weekly. There are things that come up. And certainly, um, you mentioned it before that a lot of people that you talked to talked about how they continue learning from their students. And that is true. I don't think you can solve injustices externally until you reconcile your own feelings internally. And I think that seeing things from their perspective instead of assuming that we're going to do things the way we've always done
0: them. Right, is very exactly. attitude to
1: have, whether you're in journalism or public service or public life or public education. All of these places lend themselves to that.
0: God, that that was really great. The fact that, you know, we as a society think that we have to, like, have these conversations with people that, you know, may not really want to share their story. And I've never, I genuinely have never thought about it that way because I feel like it's so, with the whole cancel culture thing, I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to have a conversation in order to have that, like, pivotal moment where they're like, oh, I did something wrong. But in reality, what's really going to benefit someone and prevent and just equalize their playing field is just going to be that education. Education. That's what's going to change change our world is the more that people try to gain insight and learn about the history and learn about the unheard stories. I think that's a huge part of it all. You, you touch base with something that I've not heard at all with any presenters and I'm very grateful that we talked about that because that's fantastic. So moving on to the next one. Uh, this one is really fun. I like this question a lot. So little blast from the past. What would you tell your 25-year-old self?
1: So don't sweat the small stuff. The other thing is like, um, and this is a, not, it is a platitude, but what other people think of you is none of your business. Don't worry about it.
0: Warriors, if you're listening on the other end, you heard it here first. Next question. I I like this one a lot because there's often a misconception. So I'm in Young Feminist Club. And when we talk about a lot of the injustices going on in the world, we're like, you know what, I want to get some of my guy friends in this like group. Let's get some of my guy friends in this club. Let's get some more people involved. And then it comes down to that conversation where it's like, how do I explain that feminism is something that men can share too
1: i think sometimes our labels get in the way of the, the behavior that we want to change i remember a certain point in my young adulthood i was like when did feminism begin when did feminism was so <laughs> idealistic because how could feminism become such a, a like a loaded w- a word a loaded term i mm-hmm. don't think of it as a loaded term it's just about fairness what what how would
0: that be a loaded term? I, I think that's... All, we're, all yeah. we're
1: talking about is fairness. All we're talking about is having a, a, a level playing field for, for, for people, whatever their gender identity is.
0: Again, it's really what feminism is. If we want to define it today, it's really... You look it up on Google, it's literally just equity for men and women. So this other one is really interesting because it's like... from like that hr perspective so like say you're you're sitting down behind the desk you're kind of looking at the framework i think what's so awesome about this podcast is that when i when i talk about this question it's like i can almost envision it in my future it's like i want to create whenever wherever i go i want to make sure that i have this environment when i work in journalism where, where maybe it may not start off that way I hope that is the end goal. So we we want to strive to have this you know intersectional and diverse workplace and we know that we can't artificially cultivate it right we can't have these people and when, when we're hiring on people, we can't be like let me get some people here with here let me check these boxes. they're Hispanic, they're female they're this they're that they follow this religion and I think that's a big part of what, Has been happening behind the desk too. And I just want to know how would you encourage an intersectional workplace?
1: We work on it every day. You know, there are a lot of things that are working against it because polarization of, you know, I mentioned the word feminist and how people think feminist might be a dirty word. Mm -hmm. There are some people who react very strongly to the word journalism today. Um, There are some people who have very, left-leaning ideas and people who have very right-leaning ideas yeah. that react to the term journalist today. Anyways, so yes, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think this also speaks to the idea of you don't stop. It comes from the top. You, you definitely have to be intentional about exactly. inclusive workplace and intentionality means that you are providing you're role modeling, you're providing opportunities for people to learn about themselves and others. You do that in ways that are with positive reinforcement, but you also set expectations about where, how job performance will be Mm -hmm. measured. So for instance, when we are hiring for new positions, um, it's often common for somebody to be given a homework assignment for certain types of positions. We ask people who are applying for faculty positions to to talk about their their approach to creating a more inclusive, more diverse. Oh, wow, okay. um, When we're hiring for staff positions, we provide, sometimes we will give case studies for people to solve and the case studies will ask them You know, if you could create one program that would promote and provide um, for a more inclusive workplace, Mm -hmm. what would that program look like? How would you go about it? That tells people right from the get-go that this is important to our culture and it's important to our environment, but it also sets the stage then for later conversations to say, well, what barriers are getting in the way? Why can't we do that? what things could we do
0: differently? Yeah, it definitely from the get go, what you were talking about with the assignments, too. If you have that prerequisite to hiring, it's like, you know what a diverse environment looks like. We talked about this from the beginning. Now show me what it looks like and show me why X, Y, and Z is wrong. So, I mean, that is really a good thing for anyone to know. And I think as westerville north students are going into hiring positions very vital to take note of you know the system and what these companies and institutions are doing to really better you and understand you and i think that's a really big thing and you touched on some really great topics and i really love that i love that and that actually that wraps up the podcast for us So that's awesome. And thank you guys so much for listening today. That's Linda Kraxberger with your your Midwest scoop, if you want to say.
1: And thank you all for listening. Um, Sophie is doing a great job here. Oh, thank you.
0: All right. Bye-bye.